Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Cripple Cody. I, I'm returning. I've returned back to the network. I've taken a bit of a break from uh, doing shows for the last several weeks. I think it's probably been a couple of months since I've done anything on Rabbit and Red. Um, tonight's episode of The Hot Seat is going to be a little bit different than normal. Usually we like to have off-the-wall topics, crazy conversations, offensive and controversial language and all that crazy shit. But tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. Tonight we're going to have a serious conversation about mental illness, about suicide, um, about, you know, just very real and serious things that can happen in a person's life. Um, and the reason why we're going to be doing this is because I recently had a very close person that I've known for 15 years uh, commit suicide uh, back at the end of May. And uh, I had told producer Mike that once we once I started feeling better and feeling up to it, that I wanted to do a show and talk about all of this, because I don't think enough people have serious conversations about these topics uh, for the public to see you know, on the air in any type of podcast. I think a lot of people kind of avoid subjects like this. So tonight I will be, jo be joined by producer Mike and everyone's favorite grandpa coming back to the, making his recent return back to the network. We uh, heavily encourage anyone to get into the conversation with us. Uh, feel free to talk to us about your serious situations. If you've lost any loved ones to suicide, mental conditions, anything like that. Call in to the number. I'm sure we'll put that number up on the screen. And uh, let's go ahead and get started with the show. Cody's Hot Seat contains topics and language which may not be suitable for all viewers. Discretion is advised. gentlemen hello mike how are you I'm doing not tonight? used to not having my background it's different i was just gonna i was just gonna say do you feel a bit naked right now without your i, I do i'm i'm naked right you're naked without your background paul is without his hat my bangs are growing way too fast and here we are <laughs> I mean, it'll be it'll be different yeah it's gonna be a different show for sure um Guys, thanks for joining me tonight. This is going to be a very special episode, I I think. Um, I had uh, had a private conversation with both of you off and on within the last few weeks about the situations I've been going through uh, ever since late May. And uh, I did pitch this idea to the both of you of doing a three-person discussion. I think all three of us has gone through some shit. Uh, throughout our lives. And uh, I think it'd be good if we talked about it out in the open and also encouraged any of our listeners, uh, either live or later on, on demand to comment with their own situations. It always helps, I think, to talk about things like this. I think maybe some people have a different opinion about that. You guys can let me know what you think, but I think it's very healthy to talk about stuff like this. It is. Yeah. I mean, definitely. And the uh, the call in line does work now. I did get Skype fixed, so I can we can take calls again. Okay, so awesome. 
maybe uh here in a little while we'll put that number up on the on the bottom ticker so it's, it just in case it's anyway. scrolling it's, oh. it's scrolling there all the time it's oh, okay gonna wait for this stuff to cycle through but it's down there oh i see that uh we we got aaron hawkins in the uh in the chat already he's uh, going under the name crazy rock films how about crazy cock films i mean that guy's got a crazy cock from what all the black ladies tell me right there we go Aaron, if you want to call in, buddy, and tell us about anything you've gone through in life, you're more than welcome. So is everyone else in our chat and anyone else who might be listening. So um, it has been a little while, like I said in the intro, that I've done anything. And, you know, back in May, it was uh, May 27th. Uh, man, it, it just the very first time in my life. I had someone that I loved very much commit suicide. Um, And man, that is not something you can prepare for until it happens Mm -hmm. to you. Like, you know, until it happens to one of your loved ones, your inner circle, your family, anything like that. And uh, I just, I didn't know how to handle it. Uh, I didn't, you know, I, I, thankfully for me, I'm not an alcoholic and I don't smoke and I don't do anything like that. So I didn't, I didn't cope with it in any kind of destructive kind of way or anything like that. Um, But it did cause the seconds and the minutes of each and one of my days to tick by really, really slow. And, um, you know, there are so many nights and this is what I'm going to ask you both of your opinions on. For me, there are so many nights that I would have dreams and nightmares and night terrors that, you know, that would almost poke at me, you know, because my mind, you know, this person was constantly on my mind, still is, because it's only a couple of months ago as of this recording. Um, and I would just have these dreams that would make me think that it was it was just a dream and that I would wake up the next day and reality would just smack me right in the face and like, no, this is real. She's gone. Um, how, you know, Paul, I remember you were telling me just a couple of weeks ago, you've dealt with some things like this. Um if you're comfortable with it, let's, let's talk a little bit about how you've coped with that type of thing. Well, it was a long time ago, but when it first happened, you're like, like you said, you're in shock and then you feel like you're walking around in a haze where, you know, my best way to explain it is you're aware of things around you, but it's like a muffled sound. You're not paying attention. You're like, and then anything you watch can trigger you to start, you know, going you know you start to think maybe i'm gonna get over this maybe i'm gonna feel better and then you see something and it just goes right back downhill um the only thing that i could do to to to, to it, i had to be ready for me like when you said talking about it is very healthy and it helps but only when you're ready because if you try to talk about it before you're ready it could make things worse for you that's why people I know it's mean to say, but when people, you know, when something bad like that happens to somebody and people like to come around and, oh, oh, you know, well, you know, if you need to talk, we, you know, talk, that's fine. But you get the ones who like really are like, you should really talk to somebody. You really need to talk to somebody. It's like sometimes you got to just let it go, you know, and let them work it out themselves. You can still stay aware of the signs and see if they're drifting in that direction. But you should really let the person who's being affected deal with it and let them make the first steps try to heal on their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like don't push somebody into something they're not ready for, but, but definitely pay attention, you know, make sure they're not 
starting to say things or say or talk in ways that are having you worried that they might do something. But you got to give them their space because if you rush them, you can make things worse. Yeah. So, you know, like when my friend died and actually I, I didn't even di- give even enough, now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't even give enough details of what I actually went through. So I had real quick. Let me back up just a minute here. I had a friend who I met in 2007. Um, her name is was Nina. And uh, she, and it's so funny how me and her got to know each other because uh, 2007, I was only, I think, 19 years old. No, I think I was 20 because there's a three year difference between me and her. So she was 17. I was 20. And uh, when they when I met her for the very first time, she came over with uh, two of my guy friends. They were cousins. And one of the guys, which she had a thing for, and she was trying to hook up with, which is why she was hanging out with them. Well, they didn't tell her anything about me. They didn't even warn her that I was disabled. They didn't say anything. <laughs> they just said, well, let's go visit our friend Cody. You'll love him. You know, that type of shit. So they come to my house. I'm still asleep because, you know, even at this point, I was already sleeping in super late. It was probably like one, two in the afternoon. And they wake me up. And I'm always in a super shitty mood when I get woke up and uh, I rolled out of my bedroom and I'm, I mean, I'm still like, I got fuzzies in my eyes and I'm still like trying to get my grounds and everything. And I look at her and I didn't mean to make it sound like disrespectful, but I looked at her and I was just like, who are you? And at the same time, she's looking at me like, what the fuck are you? And she just looks at me. She's like, "Uh, Nina, like, like she was like really scared. And, you know, I didn't know it until like months later when we got super comfortable with each other. But she was she kind of grew up like under a rock a bit. So she ain't never been around disabled people up to that point ever in her life. I don't even think in her school there was really any disabled people. And if there were if there were they weren't around her all that much. So this was her very first experience being around a disabled person. Um, But almost instantly me and her became really good friends. Um, And of course, you know, part of it was that she was trying to get close with my friend, Josh, you know, which hey, typical, she was a teenage girl. I get it. She, she wanted, you know, to find her man and all that. Um, and, And in the process, she would hang out with me all the time. And we developed a very strong friendship. Um, I remember in those days and the, you know, in the mid late two thousands, we were watching a lot of angry video game nerd episodes. Uh, and it got to the point where we started singing together, the opening intro <laughs> to that. I don't know. Have you ever seen angry video game nerd, Paul? I've watched every episode. Um, I'm a big fan of that show and yeah, I could, yeah, yep. Yeah, I know the song. Yeah. So, um, me and her became, the closest friend, probably one of the closest friends I had ever had in my life. Um, and on her own, without any input or any suggestions or requests for me, she wanted to start taking care of me for whatever reason. So I, I let her, she was my very first friend ever to take care of me. Uh, you know, up to that point, I was only comfortable with family taking care of me. Um, but then here, you know, here came Nina along into my life and she started taking care of me. She made me feel like I was almost one of her own, you know, almost like I was almost part of her family. Um, and as the years went on, I would I'd go over to her family's house for Christmas, you know, Thanksgiving, 
Easter, all of it. Um, she had a religious mother, so, you know, Easter, Thanksgiving, especially Christmas was super important, but the important thing was is they cooked bomb-ass food over her mom's house, so I'd always go over there. Um, and me and her just had become almost like a, a certain version of like a brother-sister type of type of friendship. Um, the, the big thing, because everyone has their flaws, so like I could tell one of Nina's flaws right off the bat was because she was brought up religious and she was brought up with this mindset that you got to find yourself a man, you got to have a family, you got to, you better have this, you better have that. She became, I don't want to use the word obsessed, but she became, you know, enthralled into this idea of, I need, I need a boyfriend. I, and I need eventual, eventually a husband. I need all this. And ever since early on, you know, I'd say I started noticing it in 08, 09. I, I realized that that's what became her number one priority was, was guys and boy toys, you know, boyfriends, husbands, all that type of stuff. Uh, not that that, it didn't really take a hit on our friendship or anything like that, but I, I felt bad watching her care so much about that type of situation when in reality we're living in an area over here me and her was we were living in an area where guys didn't want any of that they just wanted to use and abuse women like objects um so for years i watched her sort of go through this abuse from guy after guy after guy um and i watched it slowly destroy her over the course of the 2010s and uh, basically, throughout the later half of the 2010s, it it you know she, she by this point she had three kids, two of them with one person, another one with uh, someone else. Uh, the father to her twins is a very mature, really awesome guy. Uh, I have nothing but good things to say about him. Uh, and the, you know, him and Nina just wasn't compatible. That's all that was, and. Uh, throughout the late 2010s, I watched her emotionally break down. And I also watched her get with another guy by the name of Eric. He, he emotionally destroyed her even more. And, um, it was so terrible to watch that happen. And, uh, it changed her. It, it, it changed her from the ground up. I slowly, throughout the course of those 13 years, I, I believe it was 13 years, from 07 to 2019, is that 13 years? Um, I watched her, I, I watched her change from this, it, you added it up, Mike? <laughs> yeah, it was 12 years. Oh, is that 12 years? Okay. Yeah. Um, throughout that 12 years, I watched her change from this bubbly, high octane, high energy, fun, loving person to be around. She changed from that to this very quiet, very high anxiety, very sincerely depressed type of person all over guys and, and boy toys and, and drama with boyfriends and husbands and all that stuff. And I get it. Like most women want a sincere, you know, family and all that. I get that. But I, I tried throughout the 2010s to just reel her back in to reality and like, hey, when it happens for you, it happens for you. Like your kids aren't going to love you any less. Your friends like me and all the others you have aren't going to love you any less. Just, you know, take it easy. Um, 
And long story short, throughout the mid to late 2010s, it changed her so much that it changed the way she started treating me. Um, and it changed how she was being a parent to her children um, and so on and so forth. So uh, for personal reasons that I'm actually not going to go into on the show, me and her actually uh, parted ways as friends uh, in late 2019. And... I think that is one of the biggest reasons why I had such a difficult time coping with finding out that she committed suicide back in May is because throughout these last three and a half, four years or so, mm -hmm. I've knew in, I knew in my heart that me and her would eventually talk things out. Uh, I just didn't know when. And I just, it turned out that neither one of us what, you know, neither one of us pulled the trigger on, you know, reaching out to the other. And then once I found out she was dead, it, it just, it, it was like a, a sucker punch to the face. It was a kick to the stomach. And, you know, I, 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 it took a piece of me that I don't think I'll ever truly, truly recover from 100%. You know, it's one of those things. It's, it's, and, and I kind of used it throughout these last couple of months as more like a lesson learned. Um, and that is, you know, don't hold grudges against people. Like that doesn't mean you have to be close with people. Like if you're not compatible with someone for whatever they're doing or because of whatever you're doing, fine. People can break away, but grudges, holding a grudge against someone and, and them holding a grudge against you. It's one of the most toxic things that are, that's, that's needless. You know, you, you can break away from someone and just, you we can all live in the same world without hating each other. You know what I mean? And uh, throughout, you know, 2020, 21, 22, and early part of 23, I was angry. I was angry with something that she did back in 2019, and she was angry with me as well. And yeah, now I'll never have that opportunity. And this was a hard, hard lesson to learn uh, about, you know, not holding grudges. Um, so, you know, and, and just with me explaining all that of what she was going through and what, what captivated her mind in, in such a negative way. I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on, you know, cause we live in a social media age. We live in this era where people can so easily get a hold of one another, which for the most part is a good thing. But my question to you two is in your opinions, can it be also be a bad thing? Because, you know, we, we live in an era where girls, as soon as they're upset with their man or whoever, or whatever the situation is, they can reach out to someone else and it can start this chain of possible negativity. What are you guys' thoughts? Social media definitely has its negatives too. Cause if you're somebody who has issues dealing with stuff and you can't take a lot of getting picked on or, you know, being exposed for things that you've done, and you can't handle it, it can push people over the edge. So social media can definitely be very harmful. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think. Mike, you got any thoughts or are you just over there staring off? I don't I don't I don't like it. I never liked social media. The only reason I use social media at this point is for show shit. Other than that, I fucking hate it. Well, okay, so because you know, we live we live in this time period and we have been for a while now where you need and, and i'm guilty of this too i think we all are to a certain extent we need validation from other people online 
you know, for me, it would be, hey, I, I like the idea of posting my dark humor on Facebook with the memes and whatever else I post. And I like getting validation from people. You know, if I post something and it doesn't get hardly any likes or laugh reactions, it kind of upsets me at the end of the day. Should it upset me? No, it shouldn't bother me at all, but it, it fucking does. And I don't think that'll ever change because I've also become addicted to, you know, Facebook, social media in general. Um, but the one thing I never allowed it to be for me was I never allowed too much drama to come into my life. And that's just me. Like, <laughs> I think it's so easy for other people to let drama and all that come into their lives through text messages, through social media, just anything like that. And I, I think that's part of the problem. I think we've got into this, this, this mindset where everyone should discuss serious things through text message only. I mean, the amount of girls that I've talked to in the last five, six, seven, eight years that didn't even want to talk on the phone, but just want to text. And it's like, you can't do that. Like that's part of the problem and you're not getting your true self out there and you're not learning the true version of the person that you're talking to. And I think that's one of the many branches to the negativity that could possibly come from social media. No. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't talk. I, I don't talk drama in, in public. If you look at my Facebook page, it's all just goofy shit because I like to post funny stuff. Yes. Yeah, some of it can get really dark, but I like to post funny stuff. And, and I don't do it so people think, you know, you know, oh, he's a funny guy. He's a clown. I do it to make people feel better because I know somewhere out there in my friends list, you know, they had a bad day at work or, you know, they're having a fight with their spouse or whatever's put them in a bad mood. I like to post goofy, funny shit because I'm hoping at least I'll make one person smile and make one person laugh. That's all I care about. See now when I don't, you know, if I don't get likes or thumbs up or anything or comments that I don't care. Cause I know people will scroll through and they're like, Oh man, that was funny. And then they're, you know, they keep going. So unlike you see, well, for you, it bothers you a little bit for me. I'm like, like, eh, but I do do it to try to, there's nothing worse than being depressed all the time or having a bad day and having issues. Cause most of the friends I have, all you know is what they want to tell you. I could have friends on my friends list who are like severely have mental health issues and this, that, and the other. So trying to keep positive and funny makes me feel like at least I'm not going to lead to any negativity in their life. Cause I don't want to, you know, I don't want my friend to say, Oh, you know, you were posting this. It reminded me of something with my mother and you know, I'm sad, but I don't want to, I don't want to do that. So if I keep it funny and either lighthearted or dark humor, however I do it, it, I feel for me, I feel like I'm doing more good than harm in the big picture of things. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, uh, I mean, to a certain extent, I, I do also like the idea of making people laugh. Cause I know, you know, a good 75% of people on my friends list are either going to laugh at the stuff I post or just there, that's Cody being Cody again, you know, that type of shit. There's not, I mean, when's the last time you've seen anyone get super pissed with me? Um, you know what I mean? On one of my posts. I think some, one of my friends did get pissed off at my Juneteenth post, which, hey, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was hilarious, by the way. I loved it. it yeah. No, he didn't get super mad. He just kind of expressed that he, he didn't, uh, you know what I mean? Didn't approve of my, the meme that I posted. But I, I think I even, 
replied to his comment and I just explained to him like, dude, that's just my sense of humor. Like it ain't nothing personal and ain't nothing. I, I ain't trying to drive hate towards anyone. It's just my dark sense of humor. But, um, I mean, Mike, uh, for you, I would say it's your passion for podcasting, your podcast network. You, yes, you want to make money off of it someday, but I think a lot of it is also that you're, you're just trying to get your mind off of your own personal troubles in life and you also enjoy bringing entertainment to the people who will give you the time of day well yeah and people that don't like to be idiots yes anyway mike it's i don't know how but like every time i get you on camera somehow you just get more and more bald well that's because i'm bald dude i don't know what else to say you have like an egg-shaped head that, that just pops a little bit more with uh, with your, your headphones. Oh, we may be having another guest uh, jump on shortly. I don't know when, but we may have oh. someone else jumping in to talk about their experiences. Okay, I'd love that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Did you have any thoughts before I ask my next question, Mike? Uh, no, not on this, but... Um, okay. Yeah, no, not on this one. So here's another uh, situation I wanted to bring up to you guys. And, and again, I'm not saying that, oh, I, I dealt with it better than anyone else did. I just want your opinions about it. When I went through high school, I did have to be subjected to a little bit of bullying. And I'm going to be honest, growing up, like in the moment it sucked. But looking back on it, like I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything. And for me personally, it, it did toughen me up. It made me realize early on, like, hey, there are going to be people in my life that's not going to accept that there's disabled people around. Um, so, Paul, what what is have you ever had to deal with bull, being bullied in high school? And what's your thoughts on bullying in high school in general? I didn't get I, all the bullying I got was mainly in middle school. It wasn't too bad in high school. Um, I was pretty kept to myself. I was kind of laid back. You know, I didn't, I didn't really, you know, try to start trouble with people. So I didn't have any bullying issues, but I, after I got out of high school, I had some issues and I've bullied some people in the adult, you know, in the adult world where I've worked, I've picked on people and bullied people and, um, but not like out of it. What I didn't bully them just because they were an easy target. It was, Something happened. We had a discussion. We clashed. And then going forward, all I ever did was bully on them because we didn't get along. But I never actually targeted anybody, you know. But I wasn't really bullied. I mean, when you were bullied, I'm assuming, you know, people just don't understand things. And I know this is the stupidest thing that people say, but I kind of believe it's true. A lot of people, when they don't understand something, they attack it, you know. And, and when it's in school, like nobody, I'm not, and you know, I, I, I don't want to offend you, but like when, you know, kids can be the cruelest people on the planet because they're honest and, you know, they just say cruel things, but it's just a lot of people, you know, there's people out there who have that inner rudeness and meanness that would like, Oh, I wouldn't be caught dead hanging out with that Cody kid. He's, he creeps me out. I would, you know what I mean? And because they don't understand you, they're mean to you. So, I mean, I did, I did have my, I did, I take it back. I wasn't bullied, but I was picked on a lot. I was the fat kid. Well, I was, I'm still the fat guy, but I was the fat kid. I did get a lot of the fat joke stuff, but they weren't like, 
it, it, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But and that's what made me when I got older, because, you know, I don't want to get into how my home life was, but I needed to walk the straight and narrow. I needed to I needed to I didn't need to come home and be in any kind of trouble because that's something I didn't want to deal with. So when I got older, I think I lashed out because there wasn't a parent there to discipline you or anything. So when people would mess with you, you just popped them one or you threatened them. So, so yeah, as I had some issues as an adult getting along with other adults in the early years, in the early years. Right. And you know, uh, you know, you said you wasn't comfortable talking about your home life. That's completely fine. I, on the other hand, will talk about my home life. I, uh, I grew up in basically a trap house, you know, throughout through my childhood years, my teenage years, and the early part of my 20s, uh, my house was basically a drug house. You know, both my parents are still to this day addicts. Um, you know, my entire family is addicts. I can only think of maybe two cousins that I have, two or three cousins that I have that are not addicts whatsoever. Uh, and that's, and I'm close with them. I'm, I'm close with them because I respect the hell out of the fact that they didn't get into that bullshit. Um, and you know, like just, and I'm not trying to say I've gone through, I've had a bad life or anything like that. I haven't. I've, I, I was the master at staying in my own little world. You know, uh, I've said plenty of times on this show and other rabbit and red shows that, uh, my entertainment world is my world. You know, I wrestling, video games, horror movies, porn, you know, all this fun shit mm-hmm. that just keeps my mind off of things. I think the biggest thing out of those things that I just mentioned is probably wrestling. You know, Paul, you and I have talked about it plenty of times on the soon to be returning crossing the streams. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit more at the end of this episode, but, um, we've talked plenty of times about how important wrestling was to us growing up. Uh, and still to this day, in a lot of ways, wrestling is still very important because it takes your mind off of whatever your troubles are for a couple of hours. Um, and I also, I want to go back real quick to my friend, Nina. I, I, so many times I tried to bring her back into that, you know, cause when I first met her, she would sit down with me, we would watch movies together. And it was so funny because she didn't like horror movies and I didn't really like the stuff she was into. So we compromise, you know, a couple of days here and there, I'd show her a horror movie. A couple other days, she'd show me something that she wanted me to watch. I, I remember vividly, she made me watch this. Um, it wasn't a documentary, but it was a movie about Michael Jackson's childhood when he grew up. Do you Have you either of you two seen that? <laughs> I have a recollection of, of, of seeing it, but there, I, there, I think... There's been so many documentaries. It might be the same one. It might not be, but I, I, I do have a recollection of seeing something like that. Yeah. From what I remember, it's see, I felt, I felt like it was an actual movie. Like there was actors just playing him as a child and all that. I mean, it wasn't bad, you know, like I, I didn't just fall asleep to what she wanted me to watch. I paid attention. Um, you know what I mean? So, and, and, that is what a good friendship is give and take 50 50 you know you don't you don't try to mold someone into just your world you you give and take you know it's uh i guess it would be the same thing as an actual partnership too like from a a man to a woman you know husband wife stuff like that i think any type of connection with any two human beings it has to be give and take it has to be 50 50 you know what i mean and and if you want them to care about you and your world you have to care about them and their world 
And my point is, is I think that is what gets lost in translation with young adult relationships, you know, uh, you know, actual like intimate relationships, because I remember, and it wasn't just my friend, Nina, I would, I still, to this day, I say this to my female friends, if you're going to be in a relationship with this guy and you're planning on having a long-term having babies, getting married, having this long-term, possibly lifelong thing going on with them, for Christ's sakes, be yourself. Be the real version of you. Fart on each other, for Christ's sakes. Talk about Mm -hmm. personal things. Let your guard down. You know, trust them. Don't just be this Barbie doll without a soul and, and, and that's just trying to be molded to what you think they want. Us guys, like, yeah, maybe some of us want that, but I don't think most mature men want that permanently. We might like that in the honeymoon phase, but eventually we want women to be themselves so we can also feel comfortable being ourselves. And it's not just women that needs to take initiative. It's us guys as well. We need to really, and that's what I try to do. Um, You know, of course, I've never been in an actual intimate relationship with a woman, like boyfriend, girlfriend. I've come close a couple of times, but um, it's what I do with all my friends. I'm 100% myself. And as a result, nobody really questions what I would say or think on any given topic or situation because I'm always upfront and honest. And that's what I try to promote to the people in my life. Just be yourself 100%. There's a lot more good that comes from that than bad. Would you two agree with that? Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, Mike, me, uh, Paul, and I have talked a little bit about this stuff. Let's hear a little bit about, um, because I know we talked about a a little bit in the personal episode that I did with you. We talked about your childhood and your family relationships Mm -hmm. and all that. But can we talk a little bit about the relationships that you've been in? And tell me a little bit about how the toxicity took a hold of it. And and I know a lot of it was you because you're a very toxic bastard, obviously, but I I can be toxic. Yes. (laughs) Let's just call it toxic. Michael J show. Yeah. The talk, the, the toxicity of Michael J that there you go. There's a clip, but, Mm -hmm. um, let, tell us, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about uh, some of your stuff that you've gone through in the past and what maybe could have been changed to make things better. You mean, um, see, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of of exactly. See, because it's weird because you were talking about dealing with somebody with, you know, one of your friends that committed the, you know, the suicide in that. And I had an uncle who did that. And I don't know if I ever talked about that i mean i i know i probably mentioned it on shows but i don't know if i ever mentioned to you guys that i don't forgive him for that and i'm still very angry at him for doing that yeah i mean let, i mean yeah let's talk about that because i agree with you i'm not, i'm also not afraid to admit that i'm angry with nina for committing suicide because and paul i told you this in private i have no problem saying it publicly on the air she left behind three kids and why and it was all over boy drama i forgot to mention that earlier at the end of my story what killed my friend nina was the anxiety and the stress and the depression of just boy toy drama took over her mind and she decided to end it all and yes like you said mike i'm sad 
but I'm also angry. How the fuck well, could you? Well, see, that's the, that's the thing. You're sad. I was never sad. I didn't cry at his funeral. I still say he's burning in hell. And I'm like, I'm like, you're, you're just, you're, you're fucking just done. You're out because the thing was, we were really close. Like he was, I, I mean, we weren't close. Like when I was younger, like going up to age 10, he was kind of closer with my cousins. He wasn't really like close with me at that point. I didn't get closer with him until like I was a teenager. So at that point, like we hung out a lot. We talked a lot. And, you know, we had, he was the one that basically he was in the cars and all. He got me my car. He gave me my car when I first like started driving. When I took, when I got into a really bad accident the first time, he, you know, got it fixed, all that stuff, whatever. It was great, you know. Um, but like later on in his life, he started, he didn't have a wife or kids or family. Um, well, he had the family, obviously, but not like a wife or kids or anything like that. So we always had like a deal because he knew that I wanted to be like, like do like films and stuff like that. And even when the podcasting and stuff started, he's like, you know, if, if I, um, He's like, if I make it big, you know, or he's like, you know, I, I've always, I always told him, I'm like, look, if I make it big or whatever, and I'm, you know, making decent money, I got you. Like we, we had basically decided that we were going to take care of each other, like financially, if we really, you know, had the means to do so. Obviously he had the means to do so <laughs> more than I did. I'll, I'll get into that in a minute, but, uh. So, like, he got to a point where, like, he was, uh, I don't know, just feeling really down and depressed. And, like, every time I would see him, he would, like, talk to me about, like, what was, like, wrong or what he was feeling. If he was feeling sad, if he was feeling depressed, you know, I would talk to him about it. And he would tell me at times, he'd be like, you know, I, he would talk to me about, like, wanting to maybe you know, kill himself. And I would tell him, I'd be like, look, no matter how bad it gets, you don't do that. You know, and when I was in high school, I had, you know, times when I was like, this is bullshit. And, you know, I didn't want to do it anymore. And I was like, you know what? I'll just be done. Whatever. I don't care. But he's, you know, I would tell him, I'd be like, look, no matter how bad it is, you don't kill yourself. You call me. You talk to me, whatever it is. So, um, he ended up, it was a Sunday night. Um, nobody had heard from him, like, for an entire day, I guess it was. And he lived, like, a street up from mine. So, um, I guess I, my, my aunt, you know, his sister called his one friend and was like, Nobody's heard from Charlie for like, you know, almost a day. And we're wondering if, you know, somebody should go and check on him. So he had a key or whatever, I guess. So he went into the house and he went down to the basement and he found. Now he, now his friend didn't tell us that he, you know, killed himself right off the bat. 
he said that he died of a heart attack but it wasn't in, but you know he told my mom like in private i guess that he you know killed himself and i overheard them talking so you know i eventually heard that you know what he did was there was a commode that i guess my grandfather used at one point or somebody used at one point that was down in the basement and he got like he made he got like a a rope or something and he basically sat on the commode and kind of like hung him like hung himself but didn't really hang himself because he was you know he just put the fucking thing around his neck and like i guess just like choked himself out i don't know it was basically it was basically like like a a, a really shitty hanging job it's it's to the I, point it i know what you're he used the weight of his own body it's like people yeah. can hang themselves from the doorknob if you get yourself right. in a position you let your body drop so you're not hanging from the rafters but all your body weight is so heavy and you're in a position yeah. where you can't get back up so that's what that's probably what he did he probably slid off the commode and it yeah i that's that's that that is also that's also what my friend did too that's exactly what she did she was drunk put her you know told her kids to go outside and play and mm-hmm. locked herself in the bathroom and tied i think she overdosed on her insulin pills and she tied mm. a scarf around her doorknob and then around her throat and just leaned a certain way and waited to pass out. That's yeah, exactly, almost exactly the same thing. Yeah, and uh, what is it? Yeah, it was to the point where even at the at the viewing, you know, you still saw the fucking marks on his neck because I guess they couldn't fucking cover it up. And I was just like, dude. I didn't fucking cry one tear. I'm like, you, you motherfucker, you, you did it to yourself. I told you not to do that. I told you to fucking talk to me. You didn't do that. You just fucking did whatever you were going to do. And you fucking, you're, 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 well, you're done. You and let's be honest. And let's be honest here. It's a very selfish decision. You know, when people kill themselves, yes, it's over in an instant for them, but they're obviously not thinking about what's it going to do for a lifetime for their mm-hmm. loved ones and everyone that cares. And, and yeah, I it can't is. fathom how someone can do that. Honestly. It is. And you know, what really sucks is so after he died, they found that he actually had money lying around, you know, so obviously that got split between, you know, my, my mother and her, you know, sibling. And then I find out he didn't really have a will, but there was a, you know, people that he um, rented a house to. Uh, yeah, people that he rented a house to because he he bought the house next door to his and he, you know, rented it out as like a rental property. And he was really close to the, the people that lived there, the, uh, the woman and, and, and her granddaughter. And I fucking found out that he, um, he left this granddaughter money, left her money. And after all the fucking conversations that we had about, you know, taking care of each other, being there for each other, he fucking didn't leave me one dime. And you know what? 
people are going to be like, uh, you know, well, your, your, your mother, you know, should have given you a piece of that. See, but that's not the same thing. That's different because we had an agreement. We were close. You know what I mean? Like we were close. Like we, we would talk like all the time about this shit when I was younger. And the fact that he left this person that just rented a house from him, uh, I think it was like $25,000. And he left me nothing. I'm like, really? That that to me was like a smack in the face. And I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm just done. I'm really just done. Because he knew. He knew what I was dealing with. And he knew that I was struggling with a lot of shit. And it's just for him to fucking be like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm like, I fucking was there. I listened for fucking, like, dude, the last six months of his life. You want to talk about fucking being depressed. Like, he would come the fuck in. And, like, I would be, like, Mr. Therapist. Like, we would play therapist almost. And I would fucking sit there and he, I would listen to him just like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And that's that, that's great and fine. And I didn't mind doing it because, you know, he's my uncle, he's my friend, whatever. But it was to the point when I heard that, I'm like, she's not even your fucking blood. She's not even your blood. And, and you know, you're just going to, like, do me like that. And I know it might sound petty or something like that but it, it's just like you no, know if like someone fucking, someone dude, calling if someone make, calling someone calling you petty i can't imagine that mike well yeah no no but like my thing is if you make a promise to somebody fucking follow through with it yeah because i know damn sure if i was making fucking money with dude if i you know was like acting or doing whatever at that point, And I was fucking making decent money. I know I would still, you know, be there for him. Like the fucking deal was that he fucking welched on. So, and the fact of the matter is I don't even call him uncle anymore. When I refer to him, like when I, you know, obviously when it was alive, I would call him, I would call him uncle Chuck, whatever, but he's not, he's not uncle anymore. That, that, that title has been forfeited. Well, I can definitely, I mean, you explained all that very thoroughly and I can understand why you're angry. I'm sure Paul can agree that like, yes, you have every good reason to be angry. And, you know, and this is a, a brings up a point. I also wanted to get you guys' opinion on. We also live in a society that pressures us to believe this idea that family should always come first and that no matter what no matter how toxic it gets no matter how bad it gets you always forgive forget and love your family and be loyal to your family i'm going to propose a very controversial idea here and i'm going to say mm -hmm. that's not for everyone i don't think it should be for everyone because here's the thing like i said just a little bit ago i have a very toxic family Almost every single one of my family members are drug addicts, thieves, alcoholics, so on and so forth. I, I still, I keep my family at arm's length, so to speak. And I, my friends are my family. 
you know, and I, I can honest to God on my dog's grave, I can tell you both that I have a much stronger relationship, friendship, connection, and a much stronger trust with all of, with my friends over my family. Um, but like I said, the only exception would be like two cousins that I have that I'm super close with, but it's so funny because my cousin, Alex, I always tell him like, yes, you're my cousin but you're my best friend. And I always tell him like, please understand that's a much higher, uh, that's a much higher compliment for me to tell you that you're one of my best friends more so than me saying you're my cousin. You're my cousin because that's just the way the thing that things are, but you're my best friend because I choose in my heart to consider you one of my best friends. You guys know what I mean? Like choice is better mm -hmm. than just being told how the fuck it's gotta be. Oh yeah. <clears throat> So you keep your parents and you can tell me to fuck off if you want, but you keep your parents at arm's length and stuff. Do you love your parents? Yes, I do. I love my parents. Um, what I mean by this, I, I and by the way, Paul, I told you this before uh, when we finally this episode, did this episode. You can ask me anything. I'm, I'm going to let it all hang out on this episode. You guys don't have to, but I will. So you can ask to, me whatever the hell you want, dude. I'm good. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, real quick here, just a little side question here. Um, with, for such mm -hmm. a serious episode, uh, why yeah. the fuck is your name a uh, foreskin master? Uh, well, cause Tom made it that and I just forgot to change it. And this is, this is a show where I don't feel like I need to change it because, um, you know, with, with the other new shows this week, the, um, dropping them jewels and all, when I was on there, I changed it because I don't want to freak her the hell out. And with rabbit and red, if we didn't have a guest on, I probably would have kept it for skin master. Cause Theo doesn't give a fuck. I'm sure. Um, but I didn't want to freak out our female guest on Thursday. So I did. So I changed it. Um, I didn't think that you, just like, I didn't start the fucking audio stream for this show. So we're not live audio because I forgot to start the fucking broadcaster. So, well, oh, well, I guess it'll be on demand though. Right. Yeah. It'll be. Yeah. All right, that's all that matters. I mean, I guess the hell with everyone on audio that might wanted to li listen to this and save their lives. Good going, Mike. Well, anyway. they, can, they can still watch it or <laughs> listen to it on YouTube. I know. Uh, you know. So Paul asked me an interesting question. I do want to elaborate a little bit more on my quick answer. Uh, yes, I do love my parents. Um, I don't like them as people, uh, but that's not a permanent hey, you can't change my mind on that. Like, my parents could still earn my respect. And actually, my mom my mom has done a lot to change uh, who she is within the last couple of years. Uh, she's still not perfect by any means. And my mom is the type of mother that will come and take care of me. Like, say, for an example, if I don't have a nurse or if something fell through with the agency or just anything like that, my mom still takes care of me. Um, and what's funny about it, so my mom, all my life, it's still to this day, my mom has been addicted to pills and off and on throughout my life. She's also been addicted to crack cocaine. So she'll go through her time periods where she'll, you know, be on crack cocaine, whatever. And then uh, she'll go through other time periods like she's going through right now where she doesn't do that hard shit, but she'll still take some pills here and there. Now, I also want to clarify, I don't agree with that. I, I think that if you're trying to be sober, be sober, but she's also an adult and I'm, she doesn't live here at my house. So I'm not going to try to, you know, be her, 
you know, be the person that I'm not her sponsor. You know, I'm not, I'm her child. I'm her son. I'm not her sponsor. I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to tell her what to do. Um, but a little side funny story here is uh, sometimes throughout the years, you know, if she'll sometimes like take like an upper of some sort, you know, some sort of pill that will like turn her into like Wonder Woman. And then like, I'll ask her to come take care of me. And what something that usually takes her like an hour and a half to two hours to get done, like if she has to feed me, take get me to the bathroom and all that stuff, something like that, it'll, she'll get done with all of it in like 45 minutes. <laughs> and it's uh and it's it's weird because when she's on something and again i have no say so still to this day me as a 36 year old male i have no say so in what she decides to put in her body so i just stopped trying years ago but uh on the rare occasions that she'll decide to take something before she comes and takes care of me i don't like it because she seems like a completely different person and I don't know if you guys will know what I'm talking about when I say this, but also she, like when my mom's high off of one of her current drug of choices, she sounds different. She talks different. Her tone of voice sounds different. She almost just, it's like invasion of the body snatchers type of shit. Like she just seems like a different person. She still wants to take care of me, still wants to be my mother, but you know, she's hyped up on something. Um, and I don't like it. But at the same time, like, I just feel like if I say the wrong fucking thing to her, she could just pick me up with one arm and toss me to the other end of the neighborhood if I pissed her off. So um, in a weird kind of way, it's like, well, the, the only silver lining in this is at least we'll get done with everything I need to get done in time. But um, no, so all throughout my life, I know I'm veering off on different topics here, but to go back to your original question, Paul, all of my life up until 2016, both my parents lived here at my house and starting around that time I took over all the bills because I was really realizing in the early 2010s that my parents are not good with money. They're not good at paying bills. They're not definitely not good at paying the, uh, the property taxes, just none of that. They wasn't good with it. So I started to take over. Well, in between 2015 and 2016, my mom ended up getting into herself in a lot of trouble uh, she got caught with drug paraphernalia multiple times by cops on the road, and she went to jail a few different times. And she just so happened to got a judge that didn't have no more sympathy for her bullshit story. Like, oh, I got a handicapped son at home. I got to be at home. They threw her in jail. I think they gave her two years, actually. Yeah, because uh, she was behind bars, actually, from 2016 all the way to 2018, I think. Um and it sounds okay. So while I'm explaining this, it probably sounds like this was probably the worst time of my life. Right. But this was actually an eye opener for me. This actually was a good thing because it helped me understand that I could figure things out without my mom. It helped me realize that I can pay all the bills and manage my own money and all of that without my mom around. Um, and also I want to also slip in there that, during that time my mom was gone, uh, my friend Nina, who who was gone now, um, Nina was there for me That every step of that way. Every step of that way. She was taking me grocery shopping. She was helping me figure things out. She was taking me to the bank. You know, she would bitch about it a little bit here and there, but who wouldn't? You know, she had her own three kids to take care of, and she had, you know, boyfriend drama going on still, you know, at that point. But she took care of me, and she helped me. But anyway, um, so throughout that time, 
I realized that I could do it all on my own, the financial means of it all. And towards the end of the time that she was to be released from her, you know, jail sentence, prison sentence, whatever it was, I realized like, holy shit, I don't want my mother to come back here to live. And it was a little bit harsh on her at first, but I got her to understand and realize like, no, you cannot come back into this house to live because A, we're all three miserable with each other. And B, how are you expecting to stay sober when my dad is just not sober? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he he's still going to snort pills in front of you. He's still going to drink and smoke in front of you and all that. How do you expect to be sober? You have to figure out something different. And that was a little bit difficult for her to, um, to accept at first. But she got out of jail at the end of 2018. And uh, she's had a couple of bumps along the way on the road since then. But she hasn't lived here since 2016. And I, I've been a lot mentally healthier with her gone and that's what my point is is like you can love your parents but that's what i mean i keep my parents at an arm's length um my dad does still live here but he stays upstairs you know he um he i think he's like christ in his late 60s at this point but he um he drinks smokes does, does drugs and all that stuff and he stays in his own little world upstairs i stay in my own little world downstairs and I all I ask him to do on a monthly basis is just pay for the household items. That's it. You know, buy the household items and then I got the bills and the property taxes, which little unfair for me, but hey, whatever. I'm not trying to rock the boat. It's uh it is I what think it is. It's a lot of unfair, but that's just me. Yeah, oh yeah. No, I mean definitely. It's a really unfair. But the the sad reality is is even to this day, even more so to this day, my parents can't manage money for shit. You know, both my mom and my dad get uh, supplemental security income, just like I do, SSI checks, which the maximum right now is 914 as of this recording. And them two both get, I think, somewhere around 180 some dollars in food stamps, which I get it. That still isn't that great of income, but you can make it last if you really want to. Well, somehow, both my parents are completely out of money by usually the second week of each and every month. And I, for the love, for the love of whatever the fuck our listeners believe in, I cannot understand him, especially I can't ex understand how he runs out of all his money by the mid month, by the second week of the month. When in reality I'm paying the bills I'm buying, you know what I mean? I'm paying for almost everything that needs to be paid for. All he has to do is buy his own food and pay for his own uh, 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 cable package and household items. That's like, what is that? Maybe three, four hundred dollars a month. Like you'd st you still have over half your check. Like calm the fuck down, you know? Right. So yes, emotionally speaking, I do keep both my parents at an arm's length. Um, and I have to, or else I would lose my shit. You know, and that and that's the thing, and it go it kind of ties back to what I was saying earlier. We live in a society that pressures us all to believe in this one size fits all type of mindsetting. You know, blood stickered in water. You know, always be there for your family first. Sometimes that will fucking destroy you on the inside. Mm -hmm. So I'm here to tell all of our listeners, you don't always have to fucking do that. I'm not saying abandon your family, but if they're toxic for you, 
back the fuck off. Keep them at an arm's length. Do whatever you got to do to make yourself mentally, emotionally happy and healthy first before anyone else. Yes. That make that's true. Yeah. Um and you know, it, it just I think it goes hand in hand with like a lot of people's problems. Like a lot of people grow up with bad issues. And man, I'm not gonna go off on a big tangent here, but I think it's also current day tied into how insane our society is today. And I think you know, someone 10 years that might be listening to this that was recorded in 2023 and 2033, you know, uh, mark my words, society's going to have much bigger mental issues than they do now. Why? Because we live in a society that where we celebrate mental illness instead of trying to treat it anymore, you know? And again, I know people are going to get offended by it, but hey, it is the hot seat. So I got to slip something in there. But uh, parents, if you're listening, anybody's parents, Stop telling your kids that they can transition at, in their teens. Don't do that. Stop it, please. When your kids become adults, let them do whatever the fuck they want. Support them. You don't have to lie to them and tell them you understand, but at least support them when they become adults. When they're kids, tell them to cool their fucking jets. That's just my opinion. Hmm. But we, we're heading in that bad direction, you guys. We're heading in this direction where we're creating fantasy worlds for people. And I think that's softening people's skin, so to speak. And I'm not saying we should bully anybody for feeling different. We all felt different in our teens, right? When I was in my teens, I pretended I wasn't crippled. But guess what? I am. And now as an adult, I embrace my disability. I'm sure you both went through phases as well where you felt a little different from time to time in your teens, no matter what it might have been. Mike had hair in his teens. I did. I don't know. I, I find that hard to believe, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but um, I mean, go ahead. You know, dude, in my teens, like when I was feeling depressed and I was in high school, and talk about you know me being upset that my uncle killed himself. But like, there were times in my you know teens, and well, not so much my twenties. It was pretty much, I want to say, I was pretty much done with it by the time I graduated high school. But my junior, probably. Like between my sophomore and my like senior year of high school, so tenth to twelfth grade, I was like, if I wanted like you know if I had like an instant where I felt like I don't want to do this anymore, I want to just like end end it all, you know, I would do this stupid way of trying to like kill yourself, or I would like just like try to hold my breath, and I'm like, yeah, it's not gonna work, you're not gonna die, or I'd be like. Maybe I could get this whole bottle of like 500 Tylenol pills and just take the bottle and see what happens. But then, you know, that's just going to make you sick or whatever. So, you know, but there were definitely times like that, you know, when I was younger. But like, you know. Yeah. That, that's what I was getting ready to ask you guys. Have any of you contemplated or attempted to kill yourself? Well, Mike just answered. So yeah. for me personally, and I have no problem admitting this, you know, in front of everyone, I, because I've always been aware of my own situation and what's feasible, what's possible, what's not possible. I've actually never in my entire life fantasized about ending my own life. It has a lot to do with how selfish I am because I am one of those people. I wish I could live forever because <clears throat> in my mind, it's like, well, when the time comes that I die, 
I won't be able to watch wrestling no more. I won't be able to jerk off to porn anymore. I won't be able to watch horror movies anymore. So like I have always, ever since my teens, I've had this fantasy of living forever, but because I'm disabled and because I know it's never possible, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't have any guilt of thinking this. I have more times than I can count throughout my life, even up to recent days. I have always fantasized about beating people into a bloody pulp. So yeah, I've Ooh. thought about I've thought about homicide. Yeah, plenty Ooh. of times. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. Ooh. Does that get no, you off? I can just imagine. Oh, I can just imagine you with like little like like chop suey hands trying to like or chop suey nubs, whatever the fuck you want to call it, where you're just like you're like the little fucking Zuni doll from fucking Trilogy of Terror. You don't know what I'm talking about, but Paul. I do know what you're talking about. I've seen Trilogy of Terror, you fuck. I'm I'm surprised. Hey, our guest is here. Should I bring them in? Yeah, yeah, go go right on ahead. I just I I, I had only asked you that question because you know so I've known people who have disabilities like yours, and not not like Mm -hmm. yours, but you know, disabilities. Wait, like me or like him? Oh no, like uh, Cody. And oh, oh, they, there were times in their life where, the they thought, where they thought about, you know, you know, it's too hard on me. You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. If I, you know, if I had, you know, if I had my hands, I would end this. You know what I mean? So I didn't know if you had gone through a phase in your life where you were like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, and you know, it's, you know, well, nothing's going to get better. And you, you know, eventually, obviously if you did, you worked it out, but I didn't know if you had had any situation like that. Yeah. I mean, and, and real quick here, before we introduce our very beautiful guest that just en- uh, entered the room. Um, I, uh, I don't know what it is. I, I, and I'm not saying I'm tougher than anyone else. It's not like that. I think it boiled down to, I just got in my own little world at a very young age, early teens, you know, I got introduced to wrestling. I got introduced to horror movies, video games, and I will give credit to my parents on that because my mom wanted to find something that would make me happy that she could share with me. I will say this real quick. Me and my mom, when I was a kid, me and my mom played every video game that we could find together. Uh, One of our favorite games to play together was TMNT, the Hyperstone Heist, which I still to this day believe is a better game than Turtles in Time on the Super Nintendo. But I grew up with the Sega Genesis. So me and my mom always played the Hyperstone Heist. We also played Pac-Mania. That was the the Pac-Man game for NES. I think it also came out for Sega Genesis. So like my mom, I don't want to make it sound like my mother didn't spend time with me. Like they, she introduced me to video games. She introduced me to horror movies. Um, and I also, I, in a past episode, I explained how I saw Ned the living dead for the very first time. It was at the end of one of those Casper VHS tapes, but, um, you know, so I did, um, I did share a lot of that, a lot of those memories with, with my mom growing up. And then it just turned me into, it turned me into this rightfully so very selfish person that had to learn to live in his own little world. So then by the time I started experiencing stress and, and possible potential depression and the potential anxiety, I was already entrenched in my own little world. And I just thought, no, I'd rather just everyone around me just fucking die, but I don't want to die. You know what I mean? That's right. That might sound like a fucked up answer, but, um, Hey, on that note, Aaron Hawkins is with us. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, brother? Are you in bed? Yes, I am. 
it's getting really hot in here. Yeah. It is. Yep. So take off all your clothes, Aaron. There you go. <laughs> you, hey, you said earlier you're all about the nudity now. So yes, yes, filming it and writing it, but yeah, no. <laughs> real quick, real quick. I before we get on to serious topics with yes. you, I I do have to ask you because this has been on my mind. Okay. When you are writing your scripts and you do write a scene with nudity in it, how do you go about speaking to these female actresses about this? Like, how, how do you go about that conversation? That is handled with myself and an intimacy director, uh, believe it or not, because the actor, actor and actress, I'm going to say, because in the scenes I'm writing for Hell's Gate, it entails a man and a woman, they have to, they have to know up front that yes, there's going to be parcel or full nudity. You have to be accepting of that. Obviously there's a higher pay rate with that and that sort of thing. So if they're not cool with it, then I just don't cast them period. I mean, you have yeah. to be good. Hey, with listen, that. listen, buddy. Yeah. Also don't, don't hire no a cup angels. Okay. Get, find <laughs> us, find us le at least a C cup for Christ's sakes. C well, for Christ, you know what I'm saying? Yep. At least he uses the proper channels and he's not, you know, casting these people the Harvey Weinstein uh style, it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> God no, I don't do that. I would I would I would reach out to my agent for anything for any actors I would need because she's she's been phenomenal with me and I've been with her for almost 10 years and I have another agent in Los Angeles I can contact and just networking man networking yeah that's awesome and hey yeah. you know we're i'm gonna say right here right now i'm gonna take partial credit for you to finally having the balls to get nudity in your film so you're welcome <laughs> and, I'm, and i'm gonna say this too i don't want to be 80 years old sitting at home with my great grandkids and being like this hey grandpa this director's going to jail for his uh negative things he does and i don't want to be like oh my god i know this motherfucker i don't want you to be that i don't want you to be that guy nope nope i do it the right way nope i'm not gonna weinstein anybody i'm not gonna all bill right. cosby anybody nothing like that no all right all good, right. Good, good, good. <laughs> i gotta keep writing i gotta keep producing i gotta keep keep kicking out the movies man to yeah. entertain at least three people on the screen here i know <laughs> I heard, uh, I heard that is it is it Cinedim that picked up? Did they pick up uh, Evil Lurks? Yes, yeah, Cinedim is Cinedim is renamed. They're uh, they're called Cineverse now. Yeah, they're called Cineverse. Yeah, yeah, Cinedim basically picked it up. I'm just waiting for it to get on board. There, it's just it takes so long. I have one still in the onboarding process from February, and yeah, it's well, July. <laughs> As you know, as you know, my dick gets hard nonstop for Screenbox. So as soon as Evil Lurks hits Screenbox, oh, I'll, I'll watch yeah. it. Then, cool. then, then I'll watch it. I'll be like, oh my god, it's on Screenbox. Oh my god, yeah. Yes, it, we're it, gonna watch that, it. I'm gonna get all excited. That's exactly where it'll end up is Screenbox. I don't. I, where, where else would it end up? It's not gonna end up on yeah. the drama. I mean, he, here's the thing, though, Aaron, and I, yeah. I just like I told my couple of months ago, I know right now people kind of still look at Screenbox as a laughing stock, but I think they're going to get better as the years go on. And mm -hmm. I also think that AMC is going to stop pouring money into Shudder. And I don't think Shudder is going to shut down, but I do think, I mean, if, if you look at it already, they've already slashed the budget on what Shudder has been doing since 2015. Yes. There's yes, less, have. there's less exclusives, less originals. 
Just mm-hmm. less going on. Where did Creep Show go? Did they even ever announce that they were done with Creep Show? We got three seasons, and where's it been since then? It's been gone. Yeah, just... I, I'm still, I'm still of the mind. I totally believe Shutter is going to be merged at some point later down the road with AMC Plus. And then you, when you log into AMC Plus, you'll have your Shutter tab, but there'll be less stuff on it, and they'll spend less money on it. But yeah. I think it's not going to go away. It's just going to become a part of AMC Plus. That's what I. Think. But yeah, I'm I'm telling you, the platform that that everyone has to keep up with right now is Tubi. Everyone has to keep up with them. That is so far been the, been my bread and butter for this movie, and it's it's been phenomenal. It's crazy. It, well, I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> Hell's Gate, is that what's going to have nudity in it? You won't be able to put that on Tubi unless they change their policies. Then they better change it because it, my Evil Lurks is rated MA on Tubi right now. TV, you, best MA. It on, you best be putting it on Plex or the, the, the app that I watched Naked Cannibal Campers on or whatever the fuck I turned <laughs> off to that night. Evil Lurks is on Plex too, so. Oh, oh good, 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 good. <laughs> He's like, I have options. Yes. yes, they have options. That's right. You have yes. at least six or you have at least six to eight options right now. One of them you can't because you have to move to Brazil to watch it. Oh. Well, I wouldn't move there unless I was looking for legal prostitution or wherever I'd have to go for it. <laughs> I mean, if you really are desperate to watch it, you could get yourself a you know VPN and tell, and, and, and tell them you live in Brazil or South America, then you could watch it. But that's true. Yeah, it'd be that easier was, just to watch it five or six times on Tubi. Yep, that was one of the first platforms that picked it up. I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's in Brazil, and I can't even get the metrics for it. I'm like, ah, whatever. Hey, Mike, put the put the latest comment up on the screen for a second. Uh, I will in a sec. I gotta, Paul. Do you have? I gotta plug in my laptop because the battery's going. Can you? Oh, there you go. Yeah, oh, thank it. you, thank you. So yeah, Mr. Nanner says, Cinever screwed my movie. You can't find it on their site unless you use their search engine, and they didn't bother giving the credits, and it's labeled a comedy. What? Oh, Helvira. Yes. Okay. Hmm, I don't know what to say to that. I mean, can I wonder if Morgan can file an appeal of some sort? I Fuck, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I've had to email a couple of the platforms a couple times and told them, like, hey, you got the wrong artwork. You got the wrong release date, you know, Mm -hmm. and they fixed it. It took them like three effing weeks, but it got done. So, yeah, I would I would strongly recommend to try to contact Cineverse. Aaron, Aaron, what you meant to say is it took a few fucking weeks, right? Yeah, it took a few fucking weeks. There you go. Don't don't disappoint me, my man. I let you on my show. Don't disappoint me like that. But to Morgan, I will say this, buddy. You'll get through it, and uh, whatever you do, just don't kill yourself over it, or else we're gonna have to do another episode like this. So don't do that. Yeah. Now you might not want another episode like this because this is dark. Yeah, this is yeah, it's pretty dark. Uh, I'm I'm a little uncomfortable. No, I'm not really uncomfortable. So Aaron. We yeah. let you on to the show. We had some uh, laughs in our beginning minutes. I wanted to let you on because do you have a serious story that you'd like to tell us about? Or I actually have two of them. Um, one of which is not suicide. One of them is. Okay. So whichever one you want to hear first, I can start. Uh, maybe let's just go chronologically. Tell us what happened. Tell us the first story. The first one would not be suicide. It happened actually 24 years ago. On June 11th 
1999. I was 24 years old. And, you know, I was uh, in, you know, I'd go to my grandparents' house and my grandfather and my grandmother would not, they wouldn't, they didn't raise me, but I was always over there. And, you know, you know, I'm big into my family. So, okay, cool. So that, that morning of June 11th, uh, June, what was it? June 11th. I said, yeah, um, something felt off and I called into my work and I said, look, dude, I'm not coming in something, something, something feels off. I'm something's not right. They're like, okay, no problem. So, you know, took the day off, went over to my grandparents' house and my grandfather wasn't doing well. He was diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver six weeks prior to that date of June 11th. And my grandmother was running around. There's a bunch of family members over. And I'm like, here, grandma, I'll help you, you know, whatever. So she, she sat down, was mingling with the family and I was doing all the running around and stuff like that for my grandfather. And, you know, it, things seemed okay at best, but, you know, I was helping him get out of bed to go use the bathroom, which is across the hall and this, that, and the other. He was pretty much bedridden at this point on oxygen. And I just had a gut feeling. So I called back to work. I'm like, look, you know, thing they wanted me to keep them updated. So I kept them updated. Look, some things ain't going well. I'm gonna just keep on not having to keep on having the day off because I don't believe in coming to work at this point. And they're like, okay, just let us know if you need anything. Cool. Click. So my grandmother went down to the basement to pick up like a you know, those puke things that you get at the hospital. She had a ton of them. I don't know how she got them, but she got them. And my grandfather, I hear him yelling. Like, I hear him yelling, help. I'm like, okay. I was like, Grandpa, what do you need? He's like, pain pill. I'm like, okay. Went to go grab pain pill and water. And he sat up. He managed to sit himself up on his own which was remarkable in and of itself because of his situation. And I went to go hand it to him. He took the pill fine. Okay, cool. Fast forward a little bit. He's yelling help again. He goes, I want to go in the front room and spend time with family. And I was like, okay. I had the walker like in the entrance of the bedroom. The bedroom was really small. Barely fit a queen size bed with some, you know, walk space around it. So I help him up. And next thing you know, he collapses, takes me down with him on my right side, dead, right in my arms. And it, it devastated me to the point where I couldn't talk like this with anybody for at least five years after the event. And even then, I could talk about it, but I'd get broken up. And this is such a vivid memory in my mind that I remember exactly what happened. His watch stopped, which was on his dresser. Normally, it stops on the body. It stopped on his dresser. We lost power. And that was back when I think they didn't have, uh, I didn't have a cell phone that had a camera on it, so, or whatever. And a big thunderstorm hit. <sighs> That's a trifecta to me. And my family heard me screaming and crying and just carrying on. And they're like, come on, Aaron, you got to get out of here. You got to get out of here. And 
brother, man, that that crushed me. I mean, it really, really, really it it destroyed my world because after that, they tried to block my view from seeing the corner, pick them up and put them in, you know, bag them and wheel them out. And I was like, no, you're not going to stop me from this. And I stood there and watched. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I did. <sighs> that very same night, I <laughs> went out and got pretty damn wasted. And there's a tattoo shop right in town. I went right to the tattoo shop. I'm like, dude, I need you to hook me up. I just had an event happen. My grandfather died in my arms. I want this date, today's date, tattooed on my chest with a flower. And he did it. And the work is probably about 500 bucks. He only charged me 100 because of the event that happened. But that event started a chain reaction within me starting in the year 2000. I got my first UI because I was coping with drinking. And then I got my second one a year and a half later. Did Got all gotten all kinds of trouble and shit like that. And then let's say fast forward to, I would say about four months ago, I was talking to a friend and we were talking about this whole entire situation and something triggered in my mind. My grandfather at, when I was a little kid, not even old enough to know any better, told me, not told me, but, um, would, you know, get a little glass of beer for us as kids. Um, where on this planet is it good to give a child that doesn't know any better, that doesn't know anything about beer, a beer? That's kind of setting, setting up for predisposition. Right. How old were you, you think? I was probably like three or four years old, five at the most. Wow. Yeah. And that event, that that throwback when I was talking to my friend four months ago, triggered another thing in me. I mean, I don't drink. I prior to four months ago, I didn't drink much at all. I drank maybe on a Saturday night, go out and party with friends, or went to go see a live band or whatever. Cool, fifty, sixty bucks on Saturday night, but that that money adds up. So once that revelation happened with me, I was pissing my grandfather. Man, I was mad, upset, confused, just every every emotion you could have, and I wanted to know why he did that to me and. Obviously, he can't answer me because he's not not with me, and none of my family could answer it either because they they don't have the answers for it either. So, the best I could come up with is he thought it was okay, and I and I looked him I looked up to him as a good real, real male role model, and thought okay, yeah, it's it's cool because my grandfather was doing it. No, apparently it wasn't. Because, I mean, that started a whole chain reaction within my life that really fucked me up legally and that sort of thing. But I can honestly say right now, four months four months ago was my last drink. And not, like, I said, like I said again, not saying I was drinking a lot. It's just that event just triggered it. And I am here to tell whoever is like having that kind of issue or whatever man it's okay to talk about it it's okay to uh have an issue you know it, i mean yeah. dig deep dig dig deep because that's the only way you're gonna like resolve any sort of issues from your past that might link to the present 
in my opinion, because I know that worked with me. Um, and because of me quitting drinking, that spawned um, at least two more horror scripts, one of them being Hell's Gate. And the kill scenes in them, especially Hell's Gate, are absolutely brutal. Right, Mike? I think I showed you some of them, right, Mike? I think, yeah, for Hell's Gate, I did see some. Yeah, yeah they're well, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, when the day yeah. comes you shoot the nudity scenes, you better show me some of that. He's like, yeah, I, I want the behind-the-scenes photo. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you want to be invited to set? Okay. I, I, I want to get over with whatever female actress is going to show her titties. On. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So I have a serious, I have a serious question for you, Aaron. Uh, sure. Have you ever, have you ever given consideration to writing a script based off of the story you just told us? I have. Um, actually, it would end up being a drama. A very serious drama um yeah i've actually considered doing it um right now i'm tied up with a bunch of horror horror films and yeah i would definitely consider it absolutely because i have a script that i have been it's a military script because i'm a veteran it's based on ptsd and the stigma surrounding the military community whether it's active reserve or retired or just general soldiers military personnel that are out of the military because people see military members with ptsd as broken and that's not that's not always the case but that that script is only like halfway done and i've been sitting on that for almost eight years now only because it it there's an event within it that um i was indirectly and directly part of I, well, I i guess i'll say directly part of it so it's and i'm also trying to make it accurate because the thing i hate about movies is you see a military movie and the shit ain't accurate like they're saluting in a war zone or whatever the case may be you know they're saying the wrong thing or wearing the wrong patches that drives me fucking crazy so <laughs> that's the reason why it's taking so long where with horror films it's a little bit easier because you ain't got to worry about a uniform you just right. gotta worry about how big the tits are. Yeah, I'm. You better be worried about how big the tits are. I won't be your fan anymore. Um, <laughs> like an F for a G cup. That's a little too big, I think. No, yeah. Don't give us something no. that's gonna knock us the fuck out. You know, but yeah. just, I not to not to not to make excuses for what happened to you, but I've noticed throughout my life talking to people who were you know seventies born people. <clears throat> Uh, people given people, uh, young kids like us in the seventies, giving them little cups of, you know, Dixie cup with a little booze in it. It, it, it happened a lot more than you think. Yeah. Um, back, back nowadays you look at it and you would be like, what the hell? But back then nobody thought second, you know, you know, if somebody saw you, you know, a grandfather or uncle or something, be like, here has a little sip. They'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, you're just be, you know, they did it. Things were different for us. You know, yeah. so I'm not making excuses for what he no. did, but it was it was more common than you think. There were a lot of us, you know, getting sips from the older family members back in those days. You're you're absolutely and, right. And, and that even happened to me, too. I'm not mm -hmm. even sure if I ever said that on on any of my shows. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was probably 13, 14. And my dad would always hear, son, take a sip of this. And I always hated the taste of beer. 
I mm-hmm. always hated it. I'm so happy yeah. that, and and I sometimes I would have that conversation with my mom. I, I think I, last time I talked to her was just a couple of months ago about this subject. Like, man, the genes are, it, it's in my genes. Mm-hmm. Addiction is in my blood. It's in my family. It's in my genes. I am so lucky that I didn't like the taste of the beer. I'm so lucky that I didn't get into hooked on any of that bullshit. Cause mm-hmm. I could have easily, I've gotten caught up in that shit. Oh, but yeah, absolutely. It happens. Parents do that, and because they don't, they they make excuses for themselves. They think that everything's a okay, and mm-hmm. and like, hey, this didn't do anything bad to me, so my son can have a son. Like, no, I, I don't know. I like still yeah. to this day, I I have friends who are around my age who have teenage kids, and they're throwing alcohol parties for their teenage kids, and it's like, why the fuck are you doing that? Like, yes, I get it acknowledge that your teenager is going to do whatever the fuck they want, regardless of your, you know, your opinion and, and your, your, uh, whatever you want to try to get them to do. But, um, that doesn't mean you should be throwing it at your house. So put that comment back up there. I didn't even get, I was in the middle of a thought and you just threw a comment up on there. Like the retard. <laughs> Hell, my parents got drunk at 12. So I knew what it was like. Who the fuck is this clown clowns and hollow weird. What? Who is that? This is a this is a new viewer from Twitch, I believe. Oh, just a oh, random. Twitch. Okay. Yes. Well, welcome. See, when welcome. you have a schedule and you do a show on a schedule, new people too did. Um, <laughs> what are you trying to reference? Anyway. Yeah, cl- I hope I'm saying this right name right. Clowns and Hollow Weird, and or am I seeing this the wrong way? No, no that's, that's right. what I'm thinking. No, that's right. Or maybe it's Clown Sin Hollow. No, no, no. It's Clowns in Hollow Weird. Okay. Well, anyway, welcome to our podcast. We do have a schedule of shows. I'm the most laziest host. I only do shows once a month, but you'll see everyone else's face on here a lot more often than mine. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, you know, Aaron, I highly encourage you to uh, eventually try to get a movie going based off of that strong story you just told us. Seriously, eventually, when you're able to. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Until then, titties, titties, and motherfucking titties in your movie. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it wouldn't take me long to write to write the treatment for it. It would take me, like, a few days to write it and then start the script, kind of like what, I do, what I'm doing with Hell's Gate. I'm over 10 pages into the script, and there's already one two nudity scenes already so fuck yeah i wonder if clowns and hollow weird is going to enjoy the nudity in your movies i don't know clowns if you're not uh if you haven't downloaded the cineverse app yet fucking download it because you're gonna get to see some good shit with aaron hawkins movies i, I guarantee it yep but, see, um cody just wants nudity for the sake of nudity he doesn't care if it fits or what he just wants nudes he just wants boobs yes Exactly. You know what, though, as a little contradiction to what I always say, did you? Has any of you seen the remake of um, Slumber Party Massacre? No, no. They they flipped the script on that movie, and all the guys are fucking naked in the in in that one. (laughs) No, it's a sausage fest. Yeah, it's a sausage fest. You get a shower scene where these guys are just slowly showering, and it's like. (laughs) Thank the fuck Christ I'm not homophobic or anything like that, or else I probably would have turned it off. But in all honesty, the remake... You, see, you don't see dick, do you? 
No, I don't think so. I watched it on Sci-Fi, so it was blurred out anyway. Oh, well, then, yeah, you wouldn't see Dick in it. Yeah. I got the Blu-ray. I should dig it out and find out. Oh, you got the Blu-ray, huh? <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, I got the Blu-ray. <laughs> okay. Well, I got some thoughts on that. But, um, no, actually, it's it's not even a remake now that I'm thinking about it. It's actually somewhat of a tied into the same universe sequel in a weird kind of way. And that's I, I can't say nothing more unless is, you want to watch it. Is the killer related to Russ Thorne? Yeah, I guess you would have to open up that book. Russ Thorne was the killer in the original movie. In case I you guess you'll have to open up that brand new Blu-ray don't, of yours. Don't make me do that. It's open. Yeah. I just don't know where it is. I know it's open because you probably have seen the shower scenes a couple of times. I haven't seen any of that yet, but you okay. know. All right. I, I'll have penis envy if I watch that. That's all I know. Okay. Yeah, you're just refilling the spank bank, bro. Yeah, that's all he's doing. That's all he's doing. <laughs> But anyway, um, Aaron, you had said that you actually had a second story. Wait a minute, we got we got one of our favorite people in here right now. Hang on, Aaron, put this no latest comment up on the. Put this latest. I don't make me fucking tell you again. Oh, wait. the latest comment. Yeah, okay. don't make me tell you again. Put it up on there. Oh wait, got our... hold on. I hit it. It's not there. It goes here. Uh, we got Father Mahoney with us. First off, bravo for bringing attention to suicide and depression. Thank you, Rob. Stop sucking my dick now. Doesn't get enough <laughs> attention or not enough outlets for people to get help. Yes, I agree with that. Been there and now advocate for suicide and depression. Yes, all jokes aside, and I was yeah. going to bring that up uh, here in a little bit anyway, I do really like the fact, and I'm sure you three can agree with me, I do really like the fact that we now live in a society where there's commercials for some help with depression all over the place. Everyone's mm -hmm. telling people, hey, talk, reach out to a friend. And there's not much about current day society that I can put over and speak highly of, but that is one of them. I, even on, like, because I watch a lot of Pluto TV and fast channels and stuff like that, I'm always seeing ads for suicide help and 24 7 call lines that you can call and i i kind of wish eventually we could get someone on one of our shows that can let us know if stuff like that has helped them but i'm assuming that it's not doing anything wrong at the very least it's, it's probably helping a little bit um so yeah I, I just wanted to bring that up real quick uh thank you rob um get my dick out of your mouth i know you ain't got too many tefers in your mouth so there's more room in there but you Damn, can get dude. my dick out of your mouth now <laughs> <laughs> funny, anyway. thing, funny thing you mentioned you about that, Cody. You were freezing. Did you hear your fucking? Did you see your fucking face when you were freezing? You're like, <laughs> oh no, was I freezing? Oh I didn't... Yeah. <laughs> no, calm down, calm down, foreskin master. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, well, did my did my audio cut out too, or just my video? No, you no, were, no, you were audio. Oh, that's great. That's fucking yeah. great. I'll have to go back and. I'll have to go back and watch that. Mike, clip yeah. that part too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm sitting there, I'm trying not to laugh at you. Because you're like, <laughs> it's like we're watching an old fucking kung fu movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, definitely clip that. Crippled Cody at Golden Harvest. Yeah. <laughs> We've definitely had some good moments already to on tonight's mm -hmm. episode. Aaron, uh, you you said that you did have a second story. I want to get to that before we get off onto too, uh, too many other wild subjects. Uh, yes. Are you comfortable sharing your second story? Absolutely, absolutely. But to, but before I start to, to, to piggyback off of what you said about the whole more advertising and that stuff like that on TV, 
I actually work for a company that we produce public service announcements for radio and TV. And we do a lot of them for the Veterans Administration. We do a lot of them for uh, many, many different organizations. And we do do some that have that touch on suicide and that sort of thing and depression within, you know, the, the military community, veterans, as well as just, you know, regular civilians as well. I just wanted to put that out there as well. Um, I don't know when they air. We just produce them and then we send them out to the masses. And that's how we do that. So, yeah. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is great. Yeah. I like, like I said half an hour ago, we live in a time period where mental illness is at an all time high. And I do think that it becomes it needs to become even more socially acceptable to reach out to each other and say, hey, you know, I'm here for you. Talk to me or just keep putting those commercials out on radios, TV yep. shows, free yep. apps, streaming apps of any kind. Like let people see and be reminded. Mm -hmm that there it is help that there is a way out of whatever you're going through other yep. than suicide. I, I agree. It, it's okay. Not to be okay, man. That's exactly yes. the saying, you know, that, so. yeah. Uh, I mean, we're all worth it to stay yeah. alive. And, yep. you know, even in our darkest moments, we have to remind ourselves, we have loved ones, we have family, we have friends that are basically family and people that, mm -hmm. like I said earlier, it's selfish mm -hmm. to commit suicide and mm -hmm. it's difficult to not be angry at people that do that. So yeah. Um, yeah. with that being said, Aaron, the floor is back to you. You can go ahead and tell us your second story. All right. The second story, I, it's kind of a blur because it was, it, it, I think it happened, oh gosh, about seven, eight years ago. And it was my cousin's fiance. They were, they were bickering about him being addicted to pain meds. And she told him it's either me or the pain meds. Well, um, I know for a fact, you don't do that to someone that's addicted to pain meds because they will think erratically and, you know, go off and possibly do something. And that's exactly what he did. He went into the bedroom, grabbed his 45 caliber pistol and drove to an area that is like 20 minutes, about 10, 15 minutes for me right now as we speak. Um, she called the cops. The cops found him. I don't know how they did. Probably GPS on a phone or whatever the case may be. Found him just, be just before he went to go put the bullet in his head. The cops tried to talk him out of it. It didn't work. Nothing was working. So, you know, he optims, he killed himself. And the strange part about it, well, not strange, but the other part about it is they took him to the hospital and they tried to revive him at least 15 times because he was an organ donor. And you would think, okay, great. Organ donor. You think, great. He's going to help save lives. Wrong. He was... He was a professional fighter in the UFC. He was a mixed martial arts fighter and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu trained as well. He was actually training me in mixed martial arts. So that's the reason why I have that connection with him. And he was also military. And they tried to keep him alive to harvest his organs for organ donation. But the doctors test, did all these tests or whatever and realized there, nothing can be donated because of all the drugs, they, all the prescription drugs and all the steroids and that sort of thing that he took. So um, I actually wear a semicolon tattoo on my right hand. Uh, let's see if I, right there, it's hard to see. Uh, yeah. Like yeah, there. 
I got it turned upside down. That's upside down. And that, that's in Seahawk colors because I'm a Seahawks fan. So that's that's an honor of him. And a lot of people see that. They're like, did you try to commit suicide? I'm like, no. I've never had that thought. Never tried it. Um, but that's, that's an honor of him uh, because of all the stuff that he taught me as far as, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, and the UFC because – that wasn't the direction I wanted to go, but I just want, I just love the sports. So I wanted to get more into it and get in the ring. Um, and unfortunately that came to pass when he died and, you know, he, he left behind, left behind a couple kids, one with my cousin and her son, which is from him. He was, oh gosh, he was probably like three or four years old when he died. And, now he's a, now I think he's like 14. So it was about 10 years ago it happened. And that that really struck a nerve with me, man, because I'm thinking, dude, there's other ways to go about this. You don't have to, you know, <clears throat> try to swallow a 45 caliber bullet. That's not going to help, you know. And, you know, like, like I tell, like I tell, I told my friend that was in the army, he wanted to do the same thing with the M4 rifle. And I told him, no, you can't do that. You have family and your you have, you have family, your wife, your kids that love you. And you have a ton of friends. You have your military community, including me, that love you, dude. You can't do that, man. And it was all because he got blown, not blown up, but got injured from an IED over in Iraq. And the Army wanted to amputate because he didn't have feeling in his legs. So he got a second opinion. And between all that, he got depressed and decided, you know, suicide was the answer. But I ended up talking him out of it based on, you know, just general conversation with him and, you know, just reassuring him, like, dude, you can always call me. It doesn't matter what time of day. You might wake me up. Okay, cool. That's not a big deal. Just fucking call me, man, you know. And he did. You know, he's he called me a few times and, you know, we – I sat for hours on the phone with him and it helped him and he's still alive to this day. He might be walking with a limp and he still has both of his legs, but that motherfucker's alive though. And I can't take all the credit because I just kind of like listened and told him what I thought you should do. He right. enacted it and went about it his own way. So, you know, I'm no hero. I'm just a dude that, you know, helped out another brother in arms, man. Right. And yeah, so now, I've, I've witnessed it, man. It's not a pretty sight, man. I'm not a fan of it at all. Fuck, man. Well, now let me ask you this. Have you ever had such a bad situation in, in your life, either one of these two stories that you've told or something else that you mm -hmm. haven't told yet that's almost brought you to that breaking point? Like, how do you, is it just, was it just alcohol that you coped with or was it, did you have any kind of bad thoughts ever in your life, like about yourself or like, like I admitted earlier, I said, I've thought plenty of times about beating people into a bloody pulp out of anger. <laughs> like how, you know what I mean? How, how have you dealt with anger throughout the years? Oh, by the way, I feel you on that brother. Um, like me growing up in high school, I was always the awkward kid. Cause I'm five foot 10 back in high school. I was five foot 10, 140 pounds soaking wet. Now I'm five foot 10, 200 pounds soaking wet. Okay, cool. I was 190 out of Navy basic training, muscular, whatever. But back in high school, back in my school days, I'm going to say from grade school all the way up to graduating high school, I was 
picked on, bullied, made fun of because I have a skin condition called vitiligo. I don't know if you know what that is, but it yeah. causes two different skin tones all over my body, and it's random. It it doesn't discriminate. I'm sure you've seen the black supermodel that has vitiligo spots all over her face. Beautiful woman, you know. And I was ridiculed, made fun of because of that. And what I did was back then I internalized everything. I was quiet and I went out with my friends in high school. I went out to like the town next to me, you know, I'd smoke weed and get drunk and shit like that as a teenager <clears throat> because, you know, I was accepted into that, that group of people. And the more people saw that in high school, they're like, yeah, we're not going to fuck with him because he's hanging out with like the wrong crowd, you know, like gangbangers and shit like that. And, you know, people left me alone after that, but there was occasional when people would still pick on me and shit like that. But I was always an artist when I was in school and I still am because, you know, filmmaking is an art, you know, everything that you do is art form within that business and industry. So that, that was my outlet other than alcohol and smoking weed in high school. <laughs> but hey. I mean, there, there's a month of my senior year in high school. I don't remember because I was so high. <laughs> yeah. Real quick here. Yeah. Uh, Cause this is part of the current topic. Put the last comment up. Uh, like mm. Mm. Uh, Morgan says, I have a feeling the medication they give now, nowadays amps up suicide thoughts which might be causing the upsurge i also wonder that i mean i don't have i haven't never done any research on anything but i also have wondered if yeah like he just said what if the medication and what if the stuff they're putting in foods and all that these days like anything like that i feel like we need joey back here at rabbit and red to have a conspiracy theory quick little side topic but yeah what i mean do you guys agree with that do you think that the medication and stuff like that is part of the the problem yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm in agreement with that i mean because like it, it was funny funny you mentioned that because i saw a commercial about my skin condition vitiligo which i was like what the fuck is this on screen for I'm like um i'm not gonna take medication to help me get melatonin back in my skin fuck that shit i'm fine the way i am that's this is the way you know the man upstairs if you believe in god that's who who made me or whatever the case may be that's how I was born. Like, I'm not going to change that for anybody. If they don't like it, they can suck a dick, in my opinion. Hey, but speaking of dick, real quick, real quick, <laughs> speaking of dick. Sorry. God. Speaking of dick, are you mad at the man upstairs for allegedly giving you a little dick? No, because I don't have a little dick. Oh, okay. <laughs> you want to see? <laughs> you won't even take your shirt off. You would make me think that you're going to whip your dick out. <laughs> You won't be a movie director for much longer. You do that. No, no, no. I'd be right there with Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. yeah. And Morgan's on to, and Morgan's on to something because there's I had to look it up because I couldn't remember the name, but there's a popular acne medication called Accutane. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that drug has caused so many teenagers to commit suicide, or people who take it, I should say, but mm -hmm. it's not been enough. You're warned about it, but they've never pulled it. You can still get it prescribed. And so, yes, there's a lot of medications out there that really fuck with you and can make yep. people commit. You know, so people yeah. need to pay attention to the medications they get. 
Well, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's it's interesting because also, you know, as I've said before, I started having seizures uh, about a year ago. And then here just at the beginning of this year, around February, I opted to give a try to seizure medication. I'm on Keppra. And it's set, and one of the side effects is depression and or suicidal thoughts. Thank Christ I have yet to experience any weird thoughts like that. And honestly, I don't think it's going to fuck with me at this point because we're what in what July now at this point. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, even going through the coping process of losing a friend to suicide, <clears throat> uh, luckily for me, Kepra hasn't fucked me up. But yeah, so many people out there just mindlessly get thrown on the medication by their parents, guardians, other family members, and no one even cares to even take the side effects seriously. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Yeah. Well, so with all that you went through with your grandfather and all those other things, you never once in your life, Aaron, ever contemplated or attempted to take take your own life. You've been no, no. Okay. I, I resorted to getting drunk all the time back then. That's that's how that's how I got in my legal trouble way back in the days because of that. I mean, yeah, people could say, "Oh, you're blaming your grandfather because of that." No, that's that was my way to cope. And people cope with loss in many different ways. You know, some smoke their brains out, you know, from smoking weed or whatever their vice is. I chose beer. And to me, beer tasted great back then. Now, I bet you bet you money if I drank a beer right now, I'd be like, what the fuck is this? It just doesn't vibe with me anymore. So I'm like, nah, man, I'm, I'm totally good. So, <laughs> no, I've never, never had those thoughts, man. Have you ever gone through a phase where you got on to hard drugs at all, or was it all just weed and alcohol? Just weed and alcohol, man, because I saw what it did to, you know, some of my friends, they would take meth or whatever the drug is. And, you know, I saw the, I saw the road that they went down. I'm like, dude, I, I like having my teeth in my head. I'm good. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good with, you know, having false teeth fall out in my head, you know, it just doesn't seem like a very attractive thing when you're trying to kiss a woman. Are you, are you mm. insulting father Mahoney right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> what you're doing? <laughs> I see, wait, wait, I see a couple of comments up. He said, actually working on teeth currently, there won't be a gap by year's end. Okay. Well, hey, cool. Good cool. for him, man. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Rob, I love you regardless if you have no teeth or not. So, <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. um yeah, I I appreciate that you came on, Aaron, and yeah. shared your stories with us. I know it's not the easiest thing to talk about serious stuff like this. It it's it's definitely not the easiest thing to talk about. And yeah, you you're you're putting yourself out there basically putting your balls on a table and handing you, Cody, the knife. <laughs> and essentially, you really want to okay, do that? You really no, want to not that? really. That's that's like putting your balls in a drawer and having someone slam them shut. You don't okay. want to do that, mm. but Listen, all I really want you to do is to write a scene where I get to have a sex scene with a C or D cup actress, okay? And I don't want my PP shown, but if you could just let me put my face in some titties and just be all like, you know, and then I don't know how that would make sense within a movie of yours, but you can, you're the director, writer, you can figure it the fuck out. Oh, yeah, I figured it out. I mean, I, I added a I added a nude scene into um, Doomsday based on one of the actresses that's a part of it. She goes, I want to be partially nude in that movie. I'm like, okay, done. Well, okay, let me ask you this. 
Every day. Let's just let's just play up the scenario real quick that either I or someone else who had a legitimate physical disability to the extent of mine, arthrogryposis, where my arms, the hands look different and everything looked different Mm -hmm. different. And say if I was an actor in one of your movies, how would you and or your intimacy director go about approaching the subject with a female actress and saying, Hey, we want you to act out this fake lovemaking scene with a guy who looks like bird shit that already splat on a windshield. How, how would you go about having that conversation? You or your intimacy director. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. <laughs> you, you put it so eloquently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would God, how do I even approach this? Bird shit that's flat on the windshield. Jesus Christ. Come well but you I gotta would, tell you gotta tell the actress what she's in for, right? Yeah, I, I mean it would um, it would it would already be in the script that yeah, you're gonna bang a crippled dude that is just laying there like this. You know, you, you gotta get yeah, him hard. It's like he came out of Chernobyl. <laughs> you got to get them hard. You got to blow them. You got to do something to get that juices going. So do whatever the hell you got to do. Make it look good on camera. And, you know, just go for it. Have fun. You get, know? get us get his third leg active. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you get impregnated by him, don't blame me. And get just an abortion. Saying. Yeah. Or you can wear a Dorito bag. That way she would have something to snack on later on. <laughs> yes. Well, on that note, gentlemen, I want to thank all three of you for putting this episode together. Before we close out, Paul, Mike, or Aaron, do you, either three of you, have any final thoughts on any of the subjects that we touched upon tonight? Well, if you feel depressed and you feel like committing suicide or harming yourself in any way, you should definitely talk to somebody. And if you don't want to and if you have that family member that you go to and they're like, ah, you're just going through a phase. Don't go to that one. Go to somebody else because mm-hmm. it's most likely not a phase. And if you go to the wrong person, you might hurt yourself, hurt others, or end up dead. So go to somebody you trust who's not going to blow you off. You know, mm-hmm. so that that's the because, you know, and, and trust me, hurting yourself is does not feel good. So make sure you find someone to talk to. Real quick, as I'll put it, and I I can't put it any more perfect than how you just said, but I'll just add to it by saying suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And, you know, we we go through things where we feel in the moment we'll never get better from and we'll never conquer the situation. But you know what? You'll never know if you kill yourself. Uh, and, And also, like you said, the, the amount of people, you said this earlier, and I said this earlier, but the amount of people that will be hurting for a lifetime over your selfish decision, that it's not worth it. It's just yeah. not worth it. And I, that's not me putting anyone down who has to have thoughts of that. I'm really not. I'm just saying, like Paul said, reach out to the person who you trust, who you feel in your heart has your best interest at heart, and, and go to them and just talk. Like did you say this, Aaron, earlier? It's okay to not feel okay. Is that yeah, what you okay. said? Yeah, it's okay to not be okay. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, just, you know, if anything, remember this. Even us guys who have really three of us out of the four of us have no following, really, for the most part. If we 
care. I, I don't mean to sound sappy, but like we would much rather find out that we helped out one of our few viewers that's listening and or watching than mm -hmm. for people had to have not seen this episode and think yeah. that we're all about just promoting pure spectrum CBD and stupid GoFundMes and stupid jokes and, you know, and all that shit. We are human mm -hmm. beings too. <clears throat> and we've gone yeah. through some bad shit. We've talked about it a little bit tonight. Mm -hmm. Everyone who is watching this live and or in the future on YouTube, I highly encourage you go ahead and comment down below. Tell us about your stories. If there is one video on YouTube, you should feel comfortable uh, this, uh, expressing your feelings and your experiences. It should be on the comment <clears throat> section of this video tonight. Yep. So <clears throat> please, everyone, let us know how you feel. Paul, go ahead. And when you're laying on a floor, bleeding out, you need to realize, uh-oh, you can't take it back. It, it, it's not a good feeling, and you need to think about what you do before you do it because some people get lucky, and they do something stupid, and they survive, but a lot of people don't. Yep. Right. True. Right. Uh, and true. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else serious that can be said better than what Paul said and what I somewhat added to and what Aaron said earlier. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The foreskin master didn't have much to put in other than the fact that he's angry mm -hmm. at uncle. But uh, other than that, he's <laughs> not uncle, but oh yeah, you're, that's right. He's not your uncle. He's no longer uncle. He's just Chuck. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, instead of the rest of you out there listening, don't become Chuck's just, become smart and strong and you know comment on our video we are paying attention to our comments on our own videos mike especially paul does as well sometimes i'll pop in and uh you know it, it reach out to us reach out to your own family anybody who you can reach out to do that instead of the unfortunate alternative please you're, so you're, ab you're absolutely right cody and you know what if any of the viewers or listeners happen to watch this when it's off the air or anything like that and you don't feel comfortable uh commenting or whatever the case may be come find me on facebook we'll have a chat no problem you know no stress no mess no muss no fuss bro it's all good you know and that's i mean i've had quite a few conversations with a lot of my friends not about this particular topic but you know they were like depressed or whatever the case may be and i would talk to them and they're like, you know what? Thanks for listening. So, you know, yeah. sometimes that's all it takes is using your ears, even though it's on Facebook. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes even a stranger's voice can help you decide to change, uh, you know, your mind on something unfortunate. And, and I'm going to say that. Go ahead. I was going to say, and I'm going to give a number here, but suicide is not painless. So don't do it. And there is a number that you can call, and it's 988. If you dial 988 on your phone, you'll be hooked up with somebody that so like when you were mentioning even talking to a stranger, you dial that number and there'll be a stranger on the other end to help you. Yep. I I, I like that. I, I I didn't even know that. I thought there was an actual like full 10 digit number that you had to call okay. to get a hold. But it's just nine, be. it's just nine eight eight on anybody's mm -hmm. cell like phone in the entire yep. country. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah. nine eight eight. That's that's amazing to know. Um, and me too. Same thing. Uh, you can just find me under Crippled Cody on Facebook. Just type that in. You'll find my profile picture. You'll know it's me. Um, <laughs> anybody can reach out to me as well. Uh, just let me know you saw me on Rabbit and Red. Um, 
you know, I'm pretty sure I'm, our producer, Mike, he's always open to talk. And I think we're all in agreement that uh, we'd rather our listeners open up instead of bottling it in any longer. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So with that being said, guys, thank you very much. Before we go, let's plug a couple of things because we have to. It's our network. Uh, Aaron, you go first. Well, all right, guys. Evil Lurks is out on Tubi, Apple TV, Plex, and many other platforms. But those are the top three that is out right now. It's soon coming to Cinedime, which is now Cineverse, and quite a few others. Um, as, uh, as they come available, I'll be posting them on the Evil Lurks Facebook page or even on my personal Facebook page, which is under Aaron L. Hawkins. And I am writing a couple other horror films right now, um, one called The Pulse. And then also one called Hell's Gate, which I am deeply into right now, which I'm about 10 pages into the script right now. And two nude scenes, which are absolutely fucking beautiful. Would you say that you're balls deep in it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, that's uh, that's glorious, okay? Yes, Um, it is. Mike, Mike, you next. What? Um, What? I don't know. Are you listening? Let's all do it. Yeah, we have um shit, what the hell do we have coming up this week? Um Big Tom will probably be I don't think he's gonna hold off till Friday. He might. I don't know, because he we missed today because you were taking a slot today, and I know I think he's I think he's down at his vacation thing. So I I um I could be wrong, but I think that's where he is. So he might be doing another day this week. We have another Tiberius episode that was just sent to me today, so that'll be out for Wednesday. Um, the kid. Um, what the hell else was there? And I think that's it. Well, Paul's got uh, Grandpa's Music Sideshow. I know he's doing Wednesday, and if there's another time he wants to jump on, he's uh, more than welcome to do so. So. I might as well just have skipped you and just threw it right to Paul in all honesty. Yeah, the, well, that why didn't you? I don't <laughs> fucking like the plug shit. I mean, I thought you were going to at least... I plug- leave that to everybody else. You know, what the fuck? I, I thought you were at least going to plug some Spectrum Pure CBD bullshit or some shit. Get Dude, it's scrolling at the bottom of the screen. If people Okay, well, what about for people who are just listening, right? Well, it's in the it's in the audio show notes, so if you get oh. it, you'll see it. The links All right, right there. whatever. Fifteen percent off your next whatever the fuck. All right, Paul. <laughs> is, there, is there anything you'd like to say? Well, I am gonna you know Wednesday nights. Uh, I'm gonna start probably at uh, seven uh, Eastern, six Central with the uh, on Wednesday night for the uh, Grandpa's Music Sideshow. I did one last Wednesday. I did an impromptu one today. And if there's time, maybe I'll, you know, if nothing's going on Tuesday, I, I'm, I'm weird. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sporadic. So definitely always Wednesday night, but I could pop up anywhere. I'm like a, I'm like one of the moles in that game. <sighs> Whack-a-mole. Mm. I can pop up anywhere. Can no, you you're like, a, you're like a yeast infection. I was just oh, going to say, can you make a more modern day reference instead of the whack-a-mole? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm old. I'm going to go with what I know. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, and I think I like finally, too. I, like it. I think finally for what I'll say is uh, we're definitely going to be having some more hot seat episodes coming your way in the near future. But also more importantly, 
Paul and I will be here very soon resurrecting our Crossing the Stream show. I believe we're going to try to get an episode next uh, in August, I believe. Um, Paul, do we want to keep the details of that under wraps, or do we want to give a tease of what we're going to do for our comeback episode? We'll do a little tease, but it's going to be probably the most obvious tease ever. But we're not going to discuss it amongst ourselves. We're going to keep it for the show, but... I'll give you a clue. Necronomicon. I have no fucking clue. I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. I I'm going in blind. I you might as well come over here and swallow my soul for all I give a fuck. Anyway. Yeah, that's right. Because I wanted to, and we're not going to discuss it. I when you see our reactions to what we're going to talk about, it's going to be pure. The first time me and him have never discussed these films ever. So you're going to want to watch. Yep. Sounds Mm. great. All right. Well, everybody who has listened live or in the future on demand, thank you very much for listening to this very serious episode, as serious as we can make it, that is. And um, thank you very much. Uh, Like I said, reach out to us, please, if you ever need anything. We're all here to listen and open our ears up and maybe even let you on. Mike wants you all to have a show on his network. I'm just letting you know that right now. So mm-hmm. right, I Mike? was I was actually dealing with somebody during the, the show. I was getting text messages about another potential uh, person coming in. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Revin Red Radio hot seat episode was tonight. Thank you all very much for enjoying uh, for enjoying our episode. Paul, Aaron, Mike. I love all of you, Paul. I love you the most, though. Aaron, that might change once you uh, get some good nudity in your movies. Female nudity, that is. Awesome. All right. All right, guys. Have a great night. We will see you on the next Raven and Red podcast. Have a good night.